<laughs> Since the time the sperm and ovum meet, the fertilized egg begins to grow. What makes one egg cell grow into a chicken, another into a frog, another into a man? What makes the hand of a baby grow? What grows it into the hand of a man and then stops it growing? What makes it stop growing? <coughs> that is the mystery of growth. Too often, the patient sells the chiropractor disease and the chiropractor sells the patient disease when the chiropractor should be selling the patient the when, where, how, and why to get well from above, down, inside out. <clears throat> I thought it was very apropos <clears throat> to read this today after I read this particular article recently in a journal, an Oxford journal. Uh, it's quite a dense article, inferring lumbar lordosis in Neanderthals and other hominins. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I wanted to be a psychologist. Uh, I started playing dinosaur ball when I was a little one. Um, and little did I know that I was working on ballistics in some way. Later on, just the blind people's versus dinosaur ball. But I always had a fascination with paleontology and archaeology. And what this article talks about, which is a pretty recent article, March of 2022, in the Nexus magazine. What this article talks about is it, it talks about Neanderthals and how their lumbar spines were different than ours in shape. So I'll show you what I'm talking here. Of what they're talking about. See, they're, they're studying bones of different ages. And why they're doing this is they're trying to figure out why is it that today modern people have so much back pain. And their thought process is that because uh, we sit so much, we have completely changed, we have completely changed the way our spines work under pressure. So that over time our spines model and change differently than the Neanderthals. Did. However, what this article talks about is that when they first started finding these remains of these different pre-homo sapiens people, what they didn't, what they were looking at is they were comparing bones of those Neanderthals uh, to bones of people who were in more of the pre-industrial revolution. So it was before people started sitting on right? So this is back like early 1900s, mid-1900s, when people were still standing a lot and still doing a lot of work where it was like farms, they were still doing a lot of farming and stuff. But people have changed over the last century or so. And now we spend most of our time sitting. There are very few people who, or a lot less people who are doing more standing type work and more people are doing more sitting type work. And what they're saying is that because we spend so much time sitting is why we have all these different problems. And if we could figure out a way to not sit as much, then we wouldn't have the same kind of issues that our modern people are having today. Now, granted, I don't take care of a lot of people with that, it's just not my thing. But I find this very interesting because what this is showing me is that like, like the spine, essentially, for millennia, for, for centuries, for 
ours has been a certain way until we decide to sit down on Right? And it's marred the last several generations of having poor posture and having, you know, a jobs where we sit in front of computers all the time or sit on our phones or iPads, etc., has actually remodeled our spines in such a way that we are creating more and more vacuum. Because like according to the World Health Organization, 8% of people, 8% of adults will have vacuum at some point in time eight percent Right? <clears throat> so what does that mean for you? Even just if we were just talking about vacuum, which is my least favorite reason to see someone, but it is a common reason. Even if we're talking about back pain, think about what that means for chiropractic. Right? But here's the thing I, I want you to get at. So if, if this is the case, if modern men have destroyed their own spines by sitting for the last like, several generations in front of computers and stuff, then the question remains, how can chiropractors find the leader in back pain? So, right, if one is, the, this is a fact, they're now studying ancient humans or hominids, you know, pre humans, and now they're looking at our backs today and saying our backs are different than the ones even 100 years ago because of our sitting. Then, why aren't we the leaders? And I'll tell you why. And it goes back to what B.J. Palmer said here in his quote from Palmer's Law of Life. Too often the patient sells the chiropractic disease and the chiropractor sells the patient disease. Right? So, and if you want to just lump back pain to disease, right? We'll lump your back pain to the disease concept. That's not what we do. Right, after this many years, we should figure this out. It's not what we do. Right, the spine is an entry point to what we do. We are using the spine as a lever, as D.D. Palmer said, to get ourselves into the person's nervous system, to get into their homeostasis, to help change what's happening with them. But the point of chiropractic isn't the fact. Right? That's not our point. That's not our goal. That's not the end. That's just the beginning. So, in my opinion, why is it that we are still seeing 10% or less of the population at any given time? It's because what we got is so much bigger, but we're not selling what we got. You know, we just says the carpet she said the patient the when, where, why, and how to get up from above, down, inside out. That's what we should be doing. And the most successful chiropractors that I know are the ones who are doing that. The ones who have the philosophy. The ones who understand that chiropractic is a philosophy, science, and an art. It's, it's all three of these pieces. I don't know why there are these technique forms. Well, Gosset is better than Thompson. No, SOP is better than Gosset. No, network is better than all these. They're all good. Every practitioner who does it really, really well, I don't care what it is that you do, as long as you adjust the organizations. I, I don't care what technique you do, or if you make your own technique, or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Just do the job of a chiropractor. And then, but then there are chiropractors out there <coughs> who are saying, subluxation doesn't exist. You know, I had a 10-year-old patient yesterday. She wants to be a chiropractor. She's going to take over my practice. 
she said to me, you know, I talked to my friends, and they don't know the word solitation is. I'm like, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and she said, and he's already in good chiropractors. I remember the word solitations. I'm like, yeah, I, I did that. She said, well, why is that? And, I, and she's very, I mean, this wasn't like kidding. This was total seriousness. Like, why is that? And I said, well, you know, not every chiropractor practices, you know, or talks about chiropractic in that way. You know, it's another one that some people use other times. She said, but the solicitation makes so much sense. Out of the life of a 10 year old. Right? Yet we have chiropractors who are practicing who are afraid to use this word. We, are, we have schools in this profession who say you shouldn't talk about this word on your campus. What? There should be no censorship to a word. This is a free country. We should talk about what we want to talk about, right? So I, I want you to really think about, about this concept. I want you to understand that, and, and see, to, when I look at this, I, obviously this particular article in the Nexus Journal here does not mention in any way she perform There's no mention whatsoever. But the way, the way that chiropractic is taken over my life is that everything has chiropractic implications. No matter what I read, so I'm reading this thing, and yes, it has it's talking about lower and lower doses, so you can probably infer that too. But this to me, like everything I'm reading, is like, holy crap, this is all about what we do. And that's why, this is why it's so awesome if you guys get involved in kind of reading articles like this, because you're constantly going to find pearls of wisdom. And, and in places that you never expect, things that will inspire you, things that will, like, I love this sort of stuff because I call it being down the rabbit hole. Because I'll read this article, and then I'll go to the, to the bottom of the article, and there'll be like 50 or 80 or 100 references, and now I have other papers I can look at, and just start leading you down this rabbit hole. And for, for someone who is truly in love with the philosophy, science, and art of chiropractic, right, that rabbit hole is a rabbit hole that don't need to. And I hope that you guys, when you guys have been in practice for 30 something years, will have the same gushing, rushing feeling that I have when you see stuff like this and you say, yes, this is this, there's always relevance, there's always something that can be brought out. That I watch movies and it's all about chiropractic, even though very few of them ever even mention chiropractic, which, which baffles my mind, thinking how many movies are out there and how few movies even mention the word chiropractic. Or TV shows, I don't get that much <laughs> And I hope someday one of you guys maybe starts adjusting Steven Spielberg or George Lucas or something like that, or Steven Sonberg. And just because I think if these guys got adjusted regularly and someone explained what I went through, they would put that in their movies. Right? So I just feel like these people just haven't had the, the chance to experience chiropractic the way it should be. <laughs> so find stuff like this, get yourselves on article lit searches and stuff, lit serves where they send you things so that you can, you can get this constant feeding, right? Constant feeding of this chiropractic philosophy that I know that some of you guys really love.